CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another episode of the original Off Course. This is actually episode number 149. The big 150 is coming next week. I figured it was a good time this week to get back on the legend himself, the man with a barely recognizable or understandable last name. He's a staff writer on THP. We love him, uh, especially when we go on golf trips and feed him rum. His name is Dean DiCrescenzo. I know you guys know him because he's been on before. What's up, my post-COVID buddy? Hey, buddy. We were talking about rum. Is that where we're starting off? Because, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm here for that. <laughs> what, what would happen if you had a big old Canadan rum right now? You'd probably be unconscious, yeah? We should probably record one of those, and we'll just have it as like an unaired episode and just see what okay. happens. Okay. Uh, Austin Tudor from Callaway is pretty sure we need like a – like a Friday night. What do we call it? It, it was a really good name. And I, I feel like I'm not doing him uh, any justice. It was like gear and goblets or something like that. Goblets and Ooh. gear. Yeah. So you got a good idea what, what's going there. But yeah, that would have to be a, a video stream. Either way, uh, glad that you're alive, functioning. <laughs> uh, Me too. Vertic- vertical. <laughs> uh, I, I know that. Um, well, I mean probably the best time of year to have it happen because you have not much else to do up there in new york at hibernation as it is for golf the masters hasn't struck yet which means the the year really hasn't kicked off um but but are you at least getting a taste of tour golf right now yeah i've been watching a lot of golf and you know it was good full full swing kind of hit on right when uh right when things were going downhill so i was able to to watch that for a little bit and uh yeah a lot a lot of tour golf which has been uh i think it's been exciting so far this part of the year did you see the note they said the ridiculous number of hours they had recorded to put into that? I can't believe the amount of access that that uh, these guys gave to Netflix to to pull that off. It was it was really impressive, and I didn't see that number, but uh, I, I'm sure you have, which is you'll you'll tell me in a second and shock me. Yeah, I think it's many thousands of hours. I was just thinking about that. I binged that in about a day and a half. And, you know, of course, that's an incredibly healthy thing to do nowadays. But uh, that's neither here nor there. The point being, with with how you've been kind of laid up, I would assume you would have preferred them to post pretty much every single hour <laughs> that they yeah, had recorded. Just, just, roll, just roll through it. <laughs> Inject it into your veins. <laughs> I, I was reading a comment from uh, Joel Damon saying that, I guess Netflix had a ton of really good content with them and, and they were surprised and almost a little bit disappointed about what was cut out. So I can only imagine what they didn't do. I love that he was had, you know, was part of one major episode and people really got to got to see him more behind the scenes. I started following him uh, a few years ago where he had his caddy eat this ridiculously like hot pepper on the tea box of uh, the 17th at Sawgrass. And the, if I remember it right, the, the deal was the guy had to eat the pepper and he couldn't drink anything until they got to the Island green. Oh no, and he, he didn't, he didn't make it, but you, you know, you just see the, the prankster in him and the two of them really having a good time. It's something like you and I would do on a golf course, just uh, yeah. do something just for, for some serious giggles. And well, it, that's when I started following him and he's, you know, he didn't disappoint that episode. Yeah. Him and Gino are a really unique pair. Uh, and, and we've, we've read plenty of things where, 
uh, caddies come and go, but it's clear there are some guys who are in it for the long haul, like Greller and Spieth, and obviously Gino and, and Damon at this point is pretty clear that they're connected in that a fairly special way. They, a lot of those dudes seem to joke about it being sort of a second marriage for them, which is cool. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was, because you said like so many good things that I want to jump off of, but I, I will say I thought it was really fascinating seeing the access that the different golfers gave like for for guys like damon like you got a piece of that home life but you then you got nothing else uh or then you got like the, the whole geno side of it there's some dudes who it was like all family life like home life mm-hmm. just them they're significant and other and then there are dudes like jordan and um justin who wives clearly had no interest in participating <laughs> so it's just like i, I like to call it like they've found a way to make golf bro trips famous or uh successful and lucrative and and i i loved that vibe man i loved it yeah no it was it was really good i liked you know when they started off with the the spieth and jt thing at first i was like all right this this seems some of it seemed like a little too good almost like it was like really staged <laughs> between them but i think you know we've we've seen them on their their spring their spring break trips like you've said and I guess that's really just that how they are with each other, but yeah. then they followed it up with Brooks Kepka, and uh, I know I'm in the minority from all the the four members we've listened to. I loved that episode. I loved seeing Brooks Kepka, the guy that we have uh, we knew for a while of being so mentally tough and going out there and winning on some of the toughest courses out there, and seeing just how fragile and frustrated he really was. That's when I was just like, man, the the access that they're giving to give you know, to show this guy as vulnerable and as pissed off as he is about how poorly he's playing. I, I thought that was just really, really cool and something I didn't expect so, to see. That's interesting, man. I, I've really been, I've been thinking hard and maybe I need to go back and watch it again, but I had such a perspective on him previous to that sh- uh, full swing airing that I started to wonder like his commentary last year, all the social media stuff was basically in a sense, it, it felt more like he just loved to see the way people would react to things, like he was mm-hmm. playing it off a lot. So what my first thought was through all of this was, is he putting on another face? Is this just a different face for him? Like, you know, he, he got he got what he wanted out of the the whole social media experiment. Now is he trying to, like, get that other side of things going? Uh, it, it seemed like an ul- ulterior motive in a lot of ways and maybe it's just because i don't find him particularly genuine based on the interactions we've had with him right um it's like why would i trust that now when he put on that show last year and and you know <laughs> gave us a reason not to mm-hmm. yeah he I, I don't know i i looked at i i hear exactly what you're saying and and to see that side of him to me was was much different because and, and not that I want to directly compare him to this guy, but you know, with Bryson, the whole Bryson thing between those two, we, we saw, like you say, with the social media and their rivalry, so to speak, what was going on there. And you see Bryson and all this social media stuff and driving and He's like, comes off as like happy, go lucky, dorky scientist kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you, you know, follow him around the golf course, he definitely, uh, you know, he, he gets the opinions out. He's very, he's pretty polarizing, 
And Kepka is too, but they were, they're very different. And then you saw how frustrated Kepka was of things. And I think my favorite line of the whole thing with Kepka is he's, you know, he's, he's upset how he's doing. He's just like Scheffler. He just do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. <laughs> That's when Scheffler was just starting to go on a roll. He was like, he can do whatever he wants and I can't put the ball in the God darn hole. <laughs> it was interesting hearing that side of him. It was almost like, well, so Damon was a super curious listen because he basically said like look i i i've got a little bit of that imposter syndrome imposter syndrome i feel like um you know i'm, I'm skating by I, i'm not like one of the upper echelon guys my perspective on kepka was that he always just assumed he was the guy so t- for to hear him even presented in the way that once a guy gets on a hot streak they're almost impossible to touch i, I never expected a guy like kepka to have that perspective on players like i would never expect a guy like tiger to think that way or rory to think that way or even patrick reed you know everyone loves patrick reed but even him like i i I assume that at no point those types of guys have that perspective that people are just genuinely better than them when they get in a groove so to hear that from bk was like huh I, I didn't know he could do that. I didn't know he could think that way. Not the guy you thought you'd hear. No, from. not Definitely at all. Not. So, and he's sitting yeah. there like, I'm, I'm lost in my own head, in my own home. I'm like, dude, who are you? And, and frankly, <laughs> you know, the sad part is, Dean, without last year, I feel like watching him in this show would have been so much better timing to get that before all the other stuff hit. Because it's like he's actually fairly endearing at this point. Like there's something to latch on to as a fan. Like, okay, now it's like a come up story instead of like this. I'm better than golf. It's fashion, bro. You wouldn't understand it. Like that whole weird vibe (laughs) that you got out of him. I just, yeah. And now sadly, we don't get to see him kind of like finish the story. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think he's too worried about it. <laughs> no, nor, I don't think he is either. Jenna, so. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure uh, those two will do just fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've kind of touched on full swing in the show a fair bit already, but I, I do have some thoughts or, or questions for you as it relates to now that you've seen it. We know that a season two is coming. I'm curious to know, are, are there certain players that you're really hoping get featured at this point? I mean, I think everybody wants to make sure that Max Homa's uh, featured on that, right? Yeah, I mean, and I Homa's mean, got a crazy story, too. He does. So he would be one that would be really cool to do it. Um, the Cam Young thing would be kind of nice, but I don't know when... I, Cam Young would have been really good as a guy, like an up-and-comer guy like they showed with uh, Thigala if they started filming him last year when he was going through some pretty good tournaments. And then obviously, you know, that really strong finish at St. Andrews. Um, I kind of want to see him too, because there's a New York connection there. So obviously, you know, it's selfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's very selfish of me, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) some of these guys that have just won for, you know, the first time I'd like to see um, how much of a life changing event that is for these guys because you know once they you know they play mini tours and they play corn Ferry tour and they get on the pga tour after probably being collegiate golfers and amazing high school golfers you know going from the small pond to the big pond and then maybe i don't want to say struggling but not getting across that finish line and then what that means to those guys to get that win and you know you can plan your schedule obviously it's a lot of money now so I think that would be kind of a cool story to follow for an episode or so. 
Yeah, so we saw what it's like to have pressure on the 18th of a major that you've never won before uh, with Mito. Yep. <laughs> that golf swing, uh, I think you and I both watched each other do that in, in much lower pressure <laughs> moments. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, put him in any other scenario and that doesn't happen. Uh, and that sort of represents that getting over the hump feel. Wasn't was it? Who was the guy who won a couple weeks ago who it had been like a lot of starts? Oh, uh, uh, I'm uh, Chris Kirk. Yeah. that It was like 40. I can't remember. It was a lot, but you know that. <laughs> it was a long time between wins it, for him. It, it sort of circles back to that idea that it's incredibly challenging to win on tour. And, and um, I mean, and, we could know, go. His story is interesting too. You know, obviously he talked about, uh, you know, battling was it alcoholism mm-hmm. and, and, you know, to get through, you know, those kind of, you know, battle those demons and, you know, finally, you know, get back to the winner's circle. I mean, that's pretty endearing. That's a great story. I know, uh, you know, on golf Twitter, people start talking about when, when we start talking about the great stories, it means that it's not a, you know, a great winner, but I, I don't think that's true. And I think that, you know, something like full swing, if they put some, uh, you know, access into those kind of players and those events and those stories behind it, I think people really kind of see what's going on. It also gives you the benefit of being able to watch other people. I mean, we can talk match play all, all day long. The challenge of that being like, it's really critical for a big name to finish well. Uh, and if you don't, then you have guys that, that have no real significance, but you put a guy like that on a show like full swing and suddenly everyone's rooting for him in this kind of tournament, even, even more baseline. Like as much as I know, there's a ton of effort that goes into it. Give me 16 episodes. Give me 50 episodes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you know what? Just keep going. Feature everyone. Release, um, release it twice a year. <laughs> you you got to keep reminding yourself that this isn't, uh, this isn't just for the big golf fans. It's for everyone. So uh, what I was thinking of, it, Fowler is really coming around uh, and putting yeah. up some some nice, my, nice on course product lately. It'd be cool to see him win again, man. That'd be a really big story, and it certainly validates his position in a show like this. Yeah, and and he's still he's still a star. I mean, yeah. sure, some people might not have kind of jumped off the bandwagon. I'll raise my hand. I I was one of them. Um, you know, but he's hits st- back he in your amp cell days, right. man. Come that's, on, that's right, man. You remember that amp cell? Yeah, destroyed that thing in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> uh, Dan, not me. Um, but and you know, he got a win today. Uh, today we're recording this in the match play, which I think is his first victory in that event since I think I saw 2016, which seems like so long ago. So it, it's yeah. cool to see him battling back and, you know, he's trying some different things. Obviously he's got a much different putter setup than he used to have. Horrible. It, it, <laughs> yeah. It's not pretty to look at. Um, it's that better, actually it, pisses me off a little bit, man. Than Taurus, though. Man, I love watching. <laughs> I love watching Fowler putt back in the day. His little, like he, he takes no time around the green, which mm-hmm. I, I think is a good thing. Like you, Look at Will Willie Z is a great example. That dude overthinks every three foot putt ever. <laughs> but then you have this nice little powerful pop stroke that's absolutely full commit, uh, not like uh, Snedeker, but in a controlled way. He he putted really good for a long time. Now he's got this goofy like mega mallet wide grip <laughs> grip above his hands. Oh, it's it, it's just disappointing. I think it just shows that he's tried just about everything there is. <laughs> That's yeah, what he well, settled yeah. on. <laughs> the, I, I can't remember who said it, but 
someone was joking around being a caddy, uh, being a good player. Uh, and someone asked him, like, what's the difference between you and the guys who are playing? He goes putting or something like that. And, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth that if you can't putt on tour, like it never ceases to amaze me how many putts those dudes make. But the, the simple loss of one or two strokes around doesn't seem like much. But then when you you add it up after four days, that's the difference between winning and making the cut. Right. So, yeah. And, and like you said, you never cease to amaze the amount that they win. I remember when we first started getting uh, PGA Tour live and seeing a lot more action early on, I was shocked at how many putts these guys missed that you just don't see, you didn't used to see. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, like you said, it's a quarter of an inch could be the difference of, you know, miss, missing the cut, making no money going home, or, you know, getting a strong finish or maybe we're talking, winning. Yeah. <laughs> What a quarter of an inch on every hole. Yeah, I mean, that that's the crazy part. Uh, I'm all for bigger holes, man. Let's uh, let's let's make that move. Since the USGA and the RNA are grossly overstepping their bounds right now, why don't we just throw in a change of hole size? Let's just really screw this game up. What do you think? I'm for it. I mean, do you want to go like the full? What, what was Taylor Maid's uh, <laughs> golf that they wanted to do? Yeah, well, that that always pissed me off. That always made me really mad because it was never like this is this is what makes me absolutely crazy about talking about rule changes in golf. It's never like let's add an inch to the cup. It's well, let's add 10 inches to the cup or 20 inches like, bro, no one's going to agree to that. No one's going to agree to a half an inch. Why are you trying for 20? Like, what are we doing here? I think we should do it. Have you ever the half the the 21? Dude, if if you added 15 inch. If you added an inch onto every hole, I would be so freaking good. I've been the putt out. I've been the lip out king at my golf course for forever. That that redefines my golf game. Adding an inch. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. I know you like to save it for the end. Have you ever Watch played it. in a big a big hole golf tournament? No, I will not. <laughs> Come on, that'd be fun. Wait, define big hole. Uh, let's say a twelve inch hole. Scramble tournament. Okay, so what is it? Four and, a, hole, four and a quarter big, is that what it is currently? Yeah, so call it. So basically, three times the whole size. I would, I would absolutely have fun doing that. Would that be a blast? I would have so much fun doing that, and I'll add on to that. If I were to make a hole in one, it would still go on my wall, and I would still pay a lot of people to get drunk. It, it counts because <laughs> I would tell you that it went in the very center anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It hit the pin eventually. <laughs> there, there is a course near me. Um, that I used to be a member at that they started doing a one big hole golf tournament a year. And it's, it sells out faster than any other tournament that they do. Uh, that is an interesting social experiment. Do you know that, that tells me a lot of things that I already knew about the game and it's hard as hell. <laughs> and people are thrilled at the opportunity to make it just a hair easier, even once a year. Um, I, I've been an advocate for easier, especially fairway play divots are a hundred percent green ground under repair let's get them out of there too while we're at it like listen all it, comes it, back to the divots <laughs> if the usga and the rna want to overstep their bounds in such an aggressive way that they absolutely <laughs> rip apart the fabric of this game that we love then let's just change everything man let's change it all i mean you know what our friend james thinks that uh you know we're a little too strict on on uh, apparel like let's let's I'll, I'll even support the blade color, man. If you give me rolled balls out of divots, I'll say I'll legitimize the blade color. 
you're gonna wear nothing but the blade collar. I didn't say I would wear it. I just say I wouldn't. No, no, no. You gotta, you, you gotta wear it. I think, I think you mm. get a, you know, actions speak louder than words. Okay. Um, counter offer. <laughs> if, if you're I... gonna benefit from rolling the ball, you need to yeah. have something. Counter offer, not rolling the ball. <laughs> Moving the uh, getting a drop out of a divot. Let's be clear. I don't want to roll the ball, not everywhere, just out of divots. If I were to utilize that rule, I would be required to wear a blade collar during my next round. Yes, I'm in. I'm okay. In. Do I have to pay for the blade collars? Um, we'll, we'll start a GoFundMe. James, James will buy them for you. We'll start a GoFundMe. It's fine. So, <laughs> I I know this is all tongue in cheek, uh, but the big story right now, obviously, is. Uh, the the USGA and the RNA openly stating that some changes could maybe might possibly happen uh, that they're they're uh, <laughs> introducing the idea of modifying the ball at elite amateur and professional play. I think there's something to the tune of a, a local rule that will require players to utilize a ball that doesn't currently exist. Um, and and I'll say that the reaction was mixed. I, I think there are two types of people in this world. People that like to see the world burn and people who think that is a completely stupid idea from the R- uh, USGA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I'm trying here. Uh, that, that was an aggressive take. A lot of pros came out and spoke against it. Rory actually surprised me and came out in, in favor of it, which I, I think he should probably read into it a bit more before he really legitimizes that perspective. Uh, but for the most part, everyone was not super impressed with the idea. Um, what what was your reaction when you first saw it? You know, I was, I'm kind of split on bifurcation, which is a tough word for me to even say. With this one, eh, I like it and I don't. I, I should say I understand it, but I don't like it. Can can we take that stance? Is that allowed? Maybe. No. No. Dang it. All right. I hate it. Let's <laughs> let's just burn the whole thing down. Now we're talking. What, what I don't get is golf is uh like we, we touched on earlier, golf is at it's such a good spot right now. It's very, very popular. Obviously, full swing is bringing in more fans during the, the pandemic. We saw golf grow, we've seen golf sales go up, we've seen rounds go up. So, you know, you get to be the USJ and they're like, you know what? Let's just throw something in there to maybe screw it up and confuse some people. Let's have some fun with it. I, I don't get it. I don't, I, I do think that, you know, I don't necessarily personally have to play the same ball as Rory McIlroy because I don't want to play a, that tailor-made ball, but, <laughs> uh, you know, so you're I, saying he's already handicapping him. Yeah. I don't need to okay. play the same ball as him. I don't need to play the ball as, as some of the other guys either. Um, it doesn't make me feel better or worse that I play the same ball as them. Um, they do hit the ball significantly farther than me. But what I don't like about it is the fact that it seems like they're changing this rule to protect some courses like St. Andrews. You know, we just saw St. Andrews with no wind, you know, with no wind, that course, even the caddies over there, they'll tell you it's a pitch and putt with no wind because it's driver wedge for amateur golfers, not just for anything else. I mean, it's not it's not a long course. Um, The ball rolls a ton. So. I don't know why we're we're looking at that and we're looking at, you know, some of the holes at maybe Augusta, which, you know, 13, which just got lengthened. We can talk about that maybe another time. Uh, I, I don't get it. I, I don't like the way that they're they're approaching it. And I hope the tour says no. So it, 
what I, what I think is challenging me right out of the gate is that there is absolutely no, I'm sure there's collaboration and conversation, but there's certainly no cohesion when it comes to the tour agreeing about the conditions of play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've, played a lot of golf in my region i've played plenty of golf in a lot of places i don't play many courses that have roll and bounce the way that every fairway seems to have in every tour stop it's clear to me that the conditions of play are fast and firm with reason i assume is to get the guys out of the fairway into more challenging rough if they hit it slightly offline Mm -hmm. and that's fine but the tour is doing absolutely nothing right now to suppress distance overall, like total distance. So if we're talking about a carry distance of, let's say, 17 less yards, that is ignoring the 75 to 100 yards of roll, right? Because you're still going to produce that roll. So first of all, I think the fact that the tour doesn't align with their perspective makes this a very challenging concept, being that they're the ones being targeted. Uh, the fact that this specific solution doesn't solve those conditions of play and certainly doesn't accommodate to it, I I think is a secondary point. Now, the reason why the tour does that, I think is fairly simple. Distance is an incredibly impressive thing and Mm -hmm. people want to watch these guys blast the ball. Of course they do. And chicks dig the long ball. Chicks dig the long ball. Mm -hmm. So the idea that this is an absolute solution and it solves for any other potential. I I think it's wrong. I I think there are much easier ways to solve for distance, especially on particular courses. Uh, I've consistently said that it's a a condition situation, but secondary to that, it's a course layout condition. If you put trouble in any location where balls can be bombed into, I mean, I don't care if they put things in that exist for the week. If you if you put it something there that is an immovable object defined as such, or if you alter the T location to where they can't go over the trees, they have to legitimately shape the ball around it. There's there's clear punishment in play. I mean, they they played. Uh, I can never remember the name of the the tournament they played. It's down in Mexico. Every shot off the tee was a shaped shot if they wanted to get any sort of distance out of it. And it's like, you want to make these guys work for it. Make them shape the ball with a driver using the drivers of today. I bet half those dudes don't even play them because <laughs> you can't yeah. work the ball. The, the The whole goal there is just to pound it. Um, I look at the 10th at Riviera. Uh, it's such a challenging hole. Why? It's just over 300 yards. What's so scary about that? And I think the idea that the only solution to distance in course design is, or the only solution to the current player in course design is more distance is so short-sighted. It's, it misses on a key element of what makes these guys so unbelievably good is that they can make the ball do whatever they want. So make them do it. Yeah. I, you know, I, First off, if it's going to go 17 yards less, I'm just going to go get a rocket balls and that'll make up <laughs> for that. Boy, there Taylor made not like me tonight. <laughs> um, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's such a it's a, it's such an interesting topic, and I I I agree with everything that you said. Course setup can definitely negate what they're trying to do. I don't think this uh, this proposed change. I don't think it really solves the the root issue of what they're looking at. And then I see you know you mentioned some former uh, some players talking about it, and Rory was the one that surprised you. And I see everybody talking about well, Tiger said they should roll the ball back. That was six years ago. So. You know why? If if we didn't want to do it six years ago, I I think now is not the point to do it. And then in ten years from now, if they still don't do it, we'll be saying, well, they should have done it. You know, two thousand twenty-three when they proposed it. Get too far down the line, but I I think it's fine. I don't think they should do it. I think, like you say, you could change it with course setup. You can change it with tighter fairways if you need to. If you want to do it with deeper rough, I like seeing these guys just take driver and taking a lot of stuff out of play. It's kind of fun. And then there are tournaments where, like you said, there's hitting fairways as a premium. So that that event that used to be in Mexico City, you know, was was one like that. You used to see guys hit because they needed to hit fairways and shave the ball. They hit a lot of fairway woods. I mean, Dustin Johnson when he played it, I, he probably hit you know seven or eight drivers for the entire week mm-hmm. because he wanted to know be in position to to attack that course. You know, when we saw Tiger Woods make a good run there, uh, 2019 was it? You know, I don't think he hit many drivers either. He was hitting a lot of irons off the tee and stingers and, and shaping the ball and working the ball. Now you can see some guys on other courses go out and just hit driver and bombs away, but, but whatever, that that's fine if that's what works for them. It's Golf is super entertaining right now. I, I don't know that they should be, be messing with the golf ball. So uh, I, I think the part that trips me up is mostly the disconnect between the tour and the governing bodies. The tour wants nothing to do with it. So, you know, until they can align with something, I think the knee jerk reaction of enforcing this in only a couple tournaments, because the tour is going to tell them to go pound salt in every other tournament. I'm sure Uh, that, that is, that is probably one of the most troubling things for me. I think it just feels like a really knee jerk reaction. Now I'm not, obsessed over the idea of playing with different equipment there was a time when tour drivers existed for a reason it's because higher skill players could use them because they were smaller heads Mm -hmm. now they look a lot closer to the same thing with uh, slightly modified logic in place we already talked about golf balls i seriously doubt you're playing the firmest spinniest ball you can find i suspect it's probably a little bit different i mean bridgestone certainly open the door for the idea that a guy swinging at 95 should probably consider something different than the guy at 110 or 115. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there is a little bit of difference there already, but what I like to call nerfing the golf ball or nerfing equipment, just because these guys have decided to become athletes and play to the extent of potential. I think that's also unfair to what they've accomplished. I mean, you look at the mini tours right now, there are bombers everywhere. Why are they not on the PGA tour? Why did Rory struggle the way he did for a couple of weeks? Because it's freaking hard to swing yep. like that consistently and accurately. Those dudes on the mini tours are accuracy away from being a PGA tour savant. So it's like, <laughs> okay, at what point do we understand that these guys are just the pinnacle of this sport? And instead of being upset about it, we should celebrate it. And, and and on top of that, you know, those guys, the, the way that, you know, everybody's workout regimens and diet 
And obviously we mentioned course design and, and, you know, how the grounds are set up and the firmness of everything. Speed training, you know, we're doing a big speed training thing on, on THP uh, with speed sticks right now. So, or super speed golf, I should say it, it's, there's a lot going into it. And it, like you say, it takes away what they have accomplished already to get to the point that they're at, you know, we've seen, you know, these, you know, players that go on the mini tours we've seen them even in juniors you know their their swings now are becoming textbook yeah you know they're learning they are learning at a younger age to have that textbook perfect golf swing and to just hammer the golf ball yeah okay the, so the coaches nowadays are you you teach speed and power first mechanics second and then control third yeah and because <laughs> you know? because it's a, it's an advantage i mean everybody yeah. knows it so that that's what that's what's out there, and I don't. But it's, let's it's, just it's say an it advantage, goes through. Dean. Companies but it's also are going to work around it. Yeah, it's also a skill, though. I think I think oh, that's yeah. the one thing that the USGA is blatantly being ignorant about right now is it's a freaking skill to do that. That there is a small handful of elite athletes who can accomplish that. And it's like, what are we going to do? Is the NFL going to if the ball is spiraling too much from a quarterback? <laughs> They're going to make it wobble more based on the design, you know, like at what point does this get stupid? Why would you not let your best players perform? We're pretty close that's to what, that point. That's what's making me nuts. I, when I first re- saw the commentary, I thought about these guys who are number one, two, three, four, five in putting on tour. It's like if your contact is too consistent off the putter face, we're, we're making golf courses too easy. So at that point, if, if you hit 1.50 or whatever the metric is on a putter, do you, do you, is there like a mechanic built into the ball where it's too pure and it starts to wobble? You know, it, it seems to be that you can't attack distance because it's overpowering and then say, well, you, you're going to leave putting alone because, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just the beauty of the game. They, they make putts because they're good. Like, why pick one and not leave the other? And leave the other. Yeah, I'm with you. And you you talk about the skill of it. I mentioned him earlier with with Bryson, you know, to be able to see him ramp up the swing speed to what he was going at like crazy and still, you know, fairly center the ball on the face and just blast it and hit him on, on yeah. a rope. That was a that was a skill. That's talent. And it, That's and it worked briefly. Luck. It That's did. That's the crazy part. Yeah. He's struggled so much after he overdid it. Like he's not been relevant on live at all. Uh, you'd think he would exceed expectations there because whether you believe it or not, it's a limited field, a, a lesser skilled field by comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he's done almost nothing there seems to me, it says like, look, there is a fine line that these guys are pushing. Uh, and dudes like Rory have proven that over the last couple of weeks, I, I think is the great example. Because last year at this time, you would have said he was, like the driver maestro, he was the guy. If you wanted one driver swing, it was Rory's because he was going to rip the middle of the fairway in half every time he hit it. Now it's like, where is he going? <laughs> yeah, now now he's got a little bit of a struggle with it. And, you know, there's yeah. there's reasons that guys like Jamie Sedlowski have not made the PGA Tour. Yes, exactly. You know, he had all that speed. He had all the distance. But that was that was his that was his skill. That was his talent. Obviously, he is a good golfer. But to make that next jump, he was not able to make it. I, I I love that we just full on rampage this conversation. <laughs> I've been bottling it up for days now. I'm so frustrated. And uh, 
it, it's it's such a goofy conversation. It you said the term bifurcation. I actually I feel like we already do experience bifurcation between the tour because the conditions are so different. The greens are so pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bunkers are perfect uh, and and actually have sand at the bottom of them. We have that they know what to expect bunker to bunker, unlike what we play on. You know, th- there is a conditional difference between the two games. I would just I would prefer to champion our highest skilled players, not try to limit them. I think that's insane. And, and not to be clear to the current standards, I fully support some someone said and, and I don't want to. I don't want to be hateful on it, but I think it's this perfect extreme example. Someone said, well, if you're not in favor of that, then they should just remove all limiters. They should let everything be free. Uh, go to the absolute max extent. Like, no, the limits are good. The limits exist for a reason, and I support them. Let's not go backwards now. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we talk about limits. I, I have played and I've played illegal wedges with massive grooves that spin the ball like crazy. And I've played with some random people on golf courses while not telling them that I have illegal wedges. And they've seen me spin the ball back, you know, 30 feet on some approaches. And they're just like, Whoa, they think I'm a good golfer, but really I'm using illegal equipment. So no, I'm, I'm with you. Let's not, let's, let's not go crazy and, you know, remove all limiting factors because they're there for a reason. But I do think this is kind of akin to that with the groove rule. Remember when they changed the groove rule, it was going to be a big, vast difference. It wasn't, it, it really wasn't when, when the time came out and after a while, companies got smarter and they figured out ways and the proximity to the hole has not changed that much from the fairway. And it has not changed that much from the rough. So it, it seems kind of silly that they want to try to, to go through this whole process again. And I think no, the I'm, companies are going to get out to it. I'm curious to see, and, and I'm, I support the companies coming out unhappy about it. I mean, that's a big ask to force companies to adjust. Golf has long been the, the, uh, sport the pastime where you could advertise as a company play what they play i mean titleist play the ball that they play ball mm-hmm. play the ball that they play has made them a great many millions of dollars <laughs> over the years so like the idea that they're upset about it i think it's entirely fair uh the the thing that i'm curious about is you can accommodate you can adapt to limited wedge spin and, and mm-hmm. Full credit to the companies. They they found ways to produce spin. I was thrilled about it, frankly. I I love lower spinning wedges because I spin everything too much anyway. That was that was a great year for me when they made those changes. But you know, I I think that um, I I feel like this falls into a different category. I, I feel like if you limit it in certain ways, that it's going to be required to be limited. The inertia, the the produced ball speed, things like that will be capped. So like even on perfect strikes at that speed. So my perspective is I really doubt it will have the same kind of effect if it does go into into play. Um, either way, I, I hope they take this on the chin and realize that no one wants it except for them. I, I hope they move on, but I, I doubt they will. Um, what I'd love to see is a true conversation between the tour and the governing bodies to at least open the door. And let me let me add on something to that since I'm not done being a little pissy pants right now. Let's go. <laughs> if if they're worried about courses being 
overpowered. I feel like those courses should be able to continue to be in the Rota while maintaining the conditions they feel like would allow their course to be relevant. So let's say they go to a shorter course that's been around for a, a, a millennia, whatever. You want to use a British for, course? For, or? A cen- for a century. No, we <laughs> don't need British because all you need there is wind to make it challenging. All right, so let's say Marion. Um, yeah, so if they grow the fairways there, so mm. it's it's more like target golf. Okay. They grow the rough the way that everyone's famous favorite photo, the black and white one, where it looks like a hay pasture, back what they used to do for the US Open. And then they make the greens tricked out with really tough pin positions that are extremely challenging. That is still a totally relevant golf course. The yeah. fact that it's fast and firm solves nothing for anyone in that particular location. If they want to use distance anywhere else, if they want to use uh, sloped fairways with high speed rollouts, that's fine. Don't do it at these courses. That's the solution. You know what? I, I just figured it all out. I solved it. What are we? What are we saying? We want we want narrower fairways. We want heavier rough. This is what the USGA wanted because now everyone's going to look at U.S. Open setups and be like, finally, this is what we need. We don't need to touch the golf ball. Just give us those setups yeah. every single week. And Bryson's, they want to be, they want to be Bryson's on an Bryson's on an island somewhere saying, "Hold my beer." <laughs> this is what they wanted. Everybody oh, wants man. higher rough. Let's go, U.S. Driving Open. That's man. I even oh, yeah. said I'm so rattled. I said millennia instead of century. That's fine. A thousand years ago, we were probably in a better place with distance monitoring and golf. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so glad we got to rant on this today. It, Do you think it they feels good. Back, did they roll back the feathery? Back the feathery. Yeah. yeah, back when they used uh, things I can't even mention on the <laughs> podcast to to surround their golf balls. Uh, yeah, no. You know what? I bet you, if I had to use some of those products, I wouldn't wipe my club after every shot. I don't wipe my clock, my club after, you know, around. Oh, so. I, I saw an interesting discussion about sharing golf clubs and I've always been fairly, I used to be a lot more thoughtful about it, uh, especially when I was testing for THP. I'd have a lot of new product coming in. Hey, if, if I've got it to test it, you should try it too and share your thoughts, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know me, you know how crazy I am. I, I wipe my golf club <laughs> after every shot, even on the range with a damp towel. It's it's become a tradition or a, become a thing I've done for two reasons. Number one, I like shiny and new, and it's insane how long those clubs can last when it's uh, clean. And number two, it actually slowed down the speed at which I hit golf balls, which helped me to get better. Instead of that rapid fire thing, yep. it gave me some time to like collect, think, solve, hit again. So I, I've always said... Uh, there's a lot of people who go and say, you know, hit whatever the hell you want. Who cares? Then there's the you sky, you buy it arguments, which I think is pretty fair. You put a giant scar on the top of someone's driver. I feel like you should, you know, uh, help, a, help a brother out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, my thought was, would I ever want them to treat the club any differently than I do? And I feel like the answer should be no. How, how are you with other people's products or with other people asked to hit your products? Uh, so if I'm hitting somebody else's club, uh, I'll start with that one. Specifically a driver, I I like to tee the ball up high because I really try to swing up and hit it. But when I'm teeing, hitting somebody else's, I just tee it down low. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm going to fade this ball because yeah. I do not <laughs> want to put a mark on their club. And the reason I don't is because I don't want anyone to put a mark on my club. And yeah. so I, 
you know, the same thing. I, you know, the guys that I, I play with, I'm always like, here, go ahead, hit it, you know, have some fun with it. Um, you know, our good friend Pete, he has pretty much just showed up at the golf course and played out of my bag the entire round. His is just there for show. He, he do, does nothing but hits my clubs. Do you think Pete's <laughs> ever wiped a golf club in his life? <laughs> um <laughs> He, intentionally he used, intentionally he used, he used to have a lot of towels i don't know if they, they ever got used but, <laughs> but... For his forehead. <laughs> no uh no probably not i don't i i really i don't clean my clubs so i would if i hit one of your clubs uh and i put like some good old chunk of divot on there yeah i would wipe it off i would make sure it was nice and clean because i, mean, well, I don't want that little <laughs> stare coming back a little but, bit of insanity yeah, if I'm hitting James's club, I know he ain't gonna clean it either. So just uh, I just hand it back to him, smile and say, "Yeah, felt good." Uh, I think James gets a kick out of adding different states to his grooves. <laughs> uh, anything else on your mind today, buddy? <laughs> no, um, you know, I'm I'm enjoying the conversation so far. I like where we are. I like where we've been, and uh, you know, I'm liking uh, where we are on the tour, and I like what's what's coming up in uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, so, I yeah. believe you're referring to that place down uh, in in Georgia somewhere. That's the one. Yeah. That. Do you have any guys right now on tour that you're you're thinking are going to pop off and, and do something really significant? I mean, outside of the the guys who should be on the top of like everyone's list, like Rom and Sheffield. Yeah, not not someone you. <laughs> well, uh, there's two things I want actually from you. Number one, I'd like a master's pick. Oh, and early. yeah, early. Oof. And number two, I want one guy that no no one's talking about who has a chance of winning something this year. That nobody is talking about. Well, few fewer people are talking. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to stonewall you here, okay? <laughs> I mean, the guy that I would like to see win, and people know him more now because of you know full swing is is Sahith Thigala. I really like yeah. watch you know him last year. Uh, I remember watching it before full swing came out. You know him at the the phoenix open and that was kind of like heartbreaking to see him go through that and you know made me a pretty good fan of his and someone i wanted to follow and see where it goes so i'd like to see him get a win that would be that would be a pretty cool story um you know knowing where he's come from and you know seeing the struggle of him living on his own and trying to do his own laundry <laughs> his own laundry that was <laughs> so good man <laughs> i think i think everybody wants to see a ricky fowler win yeah. you know that that's one that people would want to see um man as for the masters oh god you know i the last two years i've picked uh colin morikawa who finished strong last year um he's i don't know he's not looking great to me right now i, I don't like the form that he's in I, I you're gonna like this guy tony finau how about tony yes, finau dude. masters champion yes i will root for finau every single week i i'm such a big fan of his I don't know what it is about him. I think he's a really grounded, good family man who's come from very limited means. Uh, it's a great success story in the game. Uh, I loved his episode on Full Swing, and you know every tournament he shows up in and plays some decent golf, I'm rooting for for sure. That's a great call. Yeah, I I could go. I mean, it's still. You know, we're a few weeks out, so I'm not going to write it down as like my official pick, but I'd like to see Tony Finau there on Sunday. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. I accept that as an answer. I, I'm just playing to my host. 
yeah that's that's fair yeah pandering, pandering. yeah yeah just, just trying to get the next invite i get i it. want an invite back <laughs> i'm a little upset uh, this is 149 and not 50 so i'm i'm trying to just you know grease the wheels a little bit yeah 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 <laughs> did you see that uh jr smith the the ever-present college story uh, has his own show coming up called redefined i think that's pretty cool you know i wasn't a big jr smith basketball fan but I, I think it's cool. You know, went back to college, has been playing college golf, and now, uh, yeah, he's going to have a show. I'll, I'll tune into it. I'm definitely excited, uh, being that I'm not a Cleveland guy, but I'm an Ohio guy. So I got to see his whole experience uh, here in Ohio playing for the Cavs, and I went to a few games and enjoyed that run they had. It was so funny when he first went out there, and he was posted on socials like, college is hard, <laughs> and saying <laughs> stuff like that. And then he got he got like his first A and he was like freaking out all pumped up about it. Like what a cool story that is. I, I'm really excited to get like a fully in-depth look at what what's been going on for him. Uh it just seems like it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be really cool if he if he found a way to go to that next level and managed to get on like the champions tour in a few years. That would be so neat. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Oh man, I, I'm totally into that. Uh I don't know if I I could probably get the wife to watch that. She got into full swing big time. Did Jen watch it? Your wife? She watched some episodes because it was just on. Okay. (laughs) My wife is terrible to watch shows with because she'll say that she wants to watch it with me and we'll start, you know, she's into star Wars stuff. So we'll start watching, you know, Mandalorian or the book of Boba Fett. And all of a sudden that's, you know, I'm waiting like four months later. Can we watch the next episode, please? <laughs> because if I go ahead, I tend to, you know, get yelled at. So it, yeah. it's terrible for that. But that's all. Yeah, she watched she watched a little bit of full swing. And okay. She loves golf. So she was into it. Well, let me add a couple additional things. I, I think a guy who'd be great for an episode next year would be Kevin Kisner. I think he'd be a lot of fun to follow for an episode. But I, I wonder if they'd be afraid of how much stuff they'd have to cut out of it if they did him. <laughs> He would be he would be interesting, especially you know changing equipment companies and seeing everything that would yeah would go involved in that. But yeah, he'd be a good one to follow along, and he's always entertaining. Right, exactly. You're not you're not going to get a dull episode out of him. And then uh, Masters pick. As much as I want to throw everything under fee now, I don't know. Part of me wants this whole Rory thing to flip and him to win because I think that'd be a big story. I'm also a huge JT fan. Uh, I'd love to see him win. I kind of wouldn't mind another Canadian presence up there, though. <laughs> I mean, Corey that... Connors has played has played pretty well there. Yeah, you know, he's he's a guy that maybe people aren't talking enough about for him there. He's a guy that could do it. I mean, he's he's had some success. He's played well, you know, down on that that majestic course. So it'll be a... interesting to see, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I just like that golf is becoming a deeper story than just for our group. Like the idea that people can go watch it. I, I think F1 was an incredible thing, uh, exposing that experience to a lot more people. Uh, Full Swing is doing kind of the same thing. When you have ways to get other people watching, I, did you see the stat? The number of folks in Japan watching the World Baseball Classic finals yeah. is like 98% of all homes in Japan. Like, are you, are you kidding me? And it was eight like, o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock <laughs> in the like morning. That. So it's like, dude, can we, can we find different ways to bring golf to the forefront to get more people involved? One of the things I was thinking about was 
with this WGC, there's, there's always a risk on Sunday, but if you can create these fan favorites, can you do like not necessarily Ryder cup style, but can you do these like smaller team events where each team gets four guys and you play a match play style against a bunch of other teams and, and force everything into the finals where the couple big names are in each group and it gets exciting. And there's like repetition there. I feel like, I feel like there'd be so much more that we could do with this and, and put it more on like a, and I guess these elevated events and tiger's idea, the indoor golf thing is going to be pretty interesting, but like how many different ways can we bring this product into more eyes where it's a way that it's not just a golf tournament, you know? Yeah. I think the indoor golf league, uh, you know, this tiger Rory joint venture here, I think it's going to be huge. You I think, think so? it ha- I should say, I think it has the potential to be huge as because, long as it doesn't turn out like wipeout or something like that. But, well, like, like you miss a swing and you get dumped by slime or something. Exactly. <laughs> but, but think about all the people that like to go to top golf. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and bringing some kind of, uh, you know, experience like that and putting it with the big stars and uh, on the tour and seeing where it goes from there. I think it has that potential to really, you know, ratchet up the interest even more, which it's already at a pretty good high right now. Yeah, uh, I hope I hope it continues to grow. Um, I know there are people out there are who are really sick of golf growth because it's hard to get tee times. But, you know, the 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 infrastructure will change as the interest changes. And, it, and as long as there's like a persistent interest, then obviously it would be in a much better place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, do you want to go to Knoxville next weekend? Um. What what day are we talking about here? Next Friday. Let's see how how far to Knoxville. <laughs> so Maps. this is this is the best thing. I want to celebrate uh, a little bit of randomness on THP. So me and a, a fellow former granddaddy captain were discussing uh, a couple days of openness we had in our schedules while watching the awesomeness that was a THP event at the Dormant Club unfold with Evolve Golf. Um, and we both agreed that it would be a lot more fun to not be at home during those days. So first we decided, okay, let's go to Knoxville. Then it was Huntsville. Then it was Nashville. Then it was Chattanooga. And we've officially landed on Knoxville. So we're doing this, uh, this random trip. Anyone's welcome from the forum. It just so last minute, it's so broken. We're probably going to eat like Chipotle every night, which I'm for. (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's certainly, it's like, uh, it, I'm not calling it the the THP experience rebound, but it's like the the discount. It's like the Kmart version of. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so excited to go hang out with THPers. It's such a cool community to be able to do things like this, to just pick a city and find people to go golf with. So shout out to those guys. Hopefully they listen to the pod and laugh at me. I'm probably going to drag them on to a future episode where we can talk about how bad I played, but We'll see. Either way, yeah, Dean, if you're free next Friday, we'll see you in Knoxville. Well, it is only a uh, a 12 and a half hour drive. Oh, that's so, easy, man. I mean, it's, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Maybe, maybe the next one, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe the next time. <laughs> next Friday, sadly, next Friday, I am I'm probably going to be working all through the night. But a lot of maybe, excuses. Maybe, maybe, I can't say the week after that's Masters, so I will abandon you that one. Um, yeah. Next time. You didn't get us tickets this year. Uh, I did not get us tickets this year. Unreal. Well, I'll never forgive you for that, but I do want to thank you for coming on. It's always super fun to have you here. 
I love talking tour golf with you and letting you letting me just go full rampage on something that pisses me off. <laughs> hey, anytime. <laughs> uh, do you have any other questions for me today, my dude? You you mentioned something earlier about yep. um, bifurcation, which again I can't say it. it's it's a tough word. Yeah, not millennialish, yep. but <laughs> golf stars those speaking. I get it. <laughs> have you ever played a tour course with a tour like set up? right after an event or anything like that i'm trying to think of that i know we have had like a billion threads on thp about could you break a (laughs) hundred on the tour setups um i've played tour courses pga national valhalla uh just at the top of my mind small flex yeah nice big flex actually (laughs) i'd love to go back to either one of them valhalla's just down the street man what are we waiting for i'll say i haven't been to mirrorfield so someone someone who's listening please pity me by the way if you were playing valhalla next weekend i would make that drive yeah i figured you would yeah yeah yeah. i'd call out i got sick again uh yeah yeah good for you uh i don't think i've played it fully tricked out but i will say i've played courses that are firm and fast not necessarily by design but because they had a tournament going on and it was middle of the summer and dry. Mm-hmm. So I get like a sense of, I think once you hit like probably 11 on the stimp, things just get really squirrely on the greens. And that's the biggest fear I have. The fairways don't really concern me. It's the greens that do. So what I, I was able to uh, do this last summer. I played um, where they play the travelers championship in Hartford. I played uh, that tournament wrapped up on Sunday. I played Tuesday. They had the Sunday pin locations and you know, that that's as close as I could get to it. Um, And it was crazy. So I played that course a handful of times and uh, on non tournament conditions and the pin locations are much more benign. So on the Sunday pin locations, where those guys are going low, every single pin is like tucked and you have to use slopes to try to get the ball there. So it's perfect for my game. Yeah, uh, you know the fairway. The fairways are fast. The bunkers are absolutely perfect. The rough is uh, penal if you get into it for you know a regular amateur golfer. So when you were talking about that, that's what was going through my head. Like, yeah, man, I've kind of been in that situation, and it is so much different than playing it on, you know, a random September day. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a good exercise there is the next time you go play golf, can you see your ball when it's in the rough? And if you can. You're not playing tour golf. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're, they're most mediocre weeks. You still can't see the ball in the rough. Uh, do you remember this? So I think this is like 13 years on THP coming up here soon for me. We we went down to Atlanta to a tour van stop way back in the day. You were there, right? I was not at that event. I know the you, event you're talking about, but I you was weren't not there at, at Trophy Club. I was not there. I could have sworn, man. So they had, uh, and, and I wasn't familiar with Bermuda at all, but they had either unintentionally or intentionally left the Bermuda long in the rough and forget about hitting your ball. No one could find them. You basically had to dredge <laughs> along because they just disappeared in the canopy. It's like, okay, so golf can actually be really freaking hard when you miss. Uh, speaking of bifurcation, I'd, I'd love to have someone out there just marking my garbage shots all the time. That'd be That'd be nice. Yeah, that's a you know, obviously the granddaddy experience was amazing. The best part yeah. is the 4K man. Like, <laughs> you're right here, sir. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Valhalla, so 
they have locations down there where it's like the heather is so unruly i mean we're in the midwest of course heather's not going to be heather but they have locations where it's just like it's like basically neck high don't even bother like if you even see your ball going towards it just pretend like you never own that ball ever (laughs) um and i'm I'm like looking at that (laughs) oh man like give me three minutes in that and i might find 50 other balls but there's no way i'm coming out with mine (laughs) that one's not mine yeah (laughs) oh man well either way what a what a fun ride today i hope the wgc so this is going live on friday it'll be deep into that at that point but uh yeah hopefully you're feeling better and uh golf season's around the corner man so hang in there it's uh it's getting here a couple weeks we'll be we'll be out on the course ready to go can feel it Awesome. Well, hey, everyone, check out Dean's writing on thehackersparadise.com. Come and hang out with with us on the forum. We're always on there chatting, creating random golf trips, uh, hopefully (laughs) finding the places we're attempting to go to. Um, But if you are playing golf this weekend, have a great time. Make it count. Uh, Hopefully the weather's decent where you are. The wind's low. Birds are chirping. And I'm just daydreaming at this point. We'll see you guys next week. THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.